Hello, everybody. Welcome again to Behind Enemy Lines. We have a very special guest on with us today. Our guest co-hosts the Paul and Phil Show with Paul Robbins for 18 years. He did some tremendous things, such as riding uh, Harley all the way from Sac to New York. He's published 10 cookbooks for charity. Uh, one of my favorite things I noticed was he traveled around for Discovery Channel, traveled around the country. Wow, he's done so much, but now he hosts Bill Cowan show from 6 to 9 a.m. on our local channel here in Sacramento of AM 1380, The Answer. So again, welcome to the show, Bill. Hey, pleasure to, uh, to be here, guys. I've been looking forward to this. How are you? We are doing wonderful. We met you, uh, spoke to you personally for the first time at an event in Rockland a couple weeks ago, and we have been longtime listeners, fans of the show. Uh, we listen every single chance we get, like almost every single day unless something comes up. So we are huge fans, and we were at that event uh, with you and listening to Dennis Prager and thinking we have got to do what we can to see if we can get him on. So thank you again for joining us. It was great. Oh, my, my pleasure, and, and I, I, I appreciate you listening more than you know. Thank you very much for that. I appreciate it. We want to ask you, uh, on your unique perspective as a state, and how, how has it been working with Katie Grimes, who love, you know, she's a reporter, from down, you know, she gets to go down in Sacramento Capitol. How has it been working with her and your guys' unique relationship? Uh, actually, it's been wonderful. And, you know, she is usually who fills in for me now whenever I'm gone. Um, and, and she's on every Wednesday, actually, uh, between 8 and 9. You know, for a long time, she was uh, at Flash Report. And then um, and prior to that, she was at, I think it was Cal Watchdog. Now she is the editor at CaliforniaGlobe.com. And I can honestly tell you that I think she is the only genuinely diligent reporter working in the Capitol right now. But no, I, I think Katie really is the only reporter down there who's willing to ask questions that ought to be asked. I'll give you a quick example. When, uh, when Javier Becerra, uh, the Attorney General of California, was being sued by a gentleman who was uh, in the primary as, as a Republican running for Attorney General, the, the focus of the lawsuit was, the, the claim was, he was not eligible to even be on the ballot for Attorney General. Mm. And California election law makes it exceedingly clear that that was the case. California election law says oh. that in order to serve as Attorney General, you have to have been an active lawyer with an active law license in the state of California for a period of five years preceding your taking the oath. Javier Becerra had had his law license inactive for 20 years. Ah, yeah, and he only reactivated it after Jerry Brown appointed him to the position. So he was challenged on that basis. The law is... is it, there, there's no room for interpretation. It means what it means. You're supposed to be a practicing yeah. lawyer to serve as attorney general. And at the hearing, and what a joke that was, because the the lawyers from the AG's office, from the state, essentially their argument wasn't, you should interpret the law this way. They essentially said to the judge, their argument was, was not legal, it was political. They said, you really want to be the judge that takes the sitting attorney general off the ballot. Oh. And he caved in and, and tried to concoct some other interpretation. But the the really shocking thing about this is, here is a reasonable lawsuit being filed 
to get the attorney general taken off the ballot. And Katie Grimes was the only reporter in the courtroom. Nobody else really? bothered him. Wow. It, it just goes to show the hard work that she does. And it's one of the reasons we love your show is because she is, like, the only, just about the real reporter that can tell us exactly what's going on in the state. And you, you know, you have that relationship where she can come on and speak directly to your listeners. So we love it as people who try to pay attention to what's going on in the state, that she can give a direct, directly, uh, her opinion as to what is exactly what's going on. Well, and, and in large measure, what she really does is just report the facts. If you go to CaliforniaGlobe.com, you see largely capital news there. And I, I know a lot of people will look at it and think, oh, well, there's such a conservative uh, uh, perspective there. But it really isn't conservative as much as she's just reporting on what they do. And what they are doing is they are ruining the state of California. Yes, that's, that's so true. And on that same thing. Uh, you know, running the state of California, we're wondering, in your opinion, and and we hear you on the show that you know California is in a real dark place and California is not doing well, and so many people are leaving. But for those people that aren't leaving or those people that are still here, what, in your opinion, is the greatest challenge facing the state today? Of all the corruption, of all the shenanigans going on in the Capitol. What would you put at the top of the list of the greatest challenge we are faced with today? Well, that's a tough one because there are many and they all matter a lot. I, you know, the first one that jumps to mind is the corruption of the uh, of the election process in this state. Quite honestly, um, I, mm. I, I'm not sure I trust the veracity of any election result in California anymore. It's gotten that bad, and and we saw it really in the. Uh, in, in the 2016 election cycle and all those congressional races, all those reliably Republican House seats down in Orange County and elsewhere that because of ballot harvesting, which is, in, which is illegal in most states and for good reason, um, you know, they just continue to count votes and collect votes until they won. And yeah, yeah, I, I just really have grave concerns about the honesty of the process anymore. There's nothing like a good old California election where somebody finds a box of ballots for the losing Democrat in the trunk of their car. Or, you know, again, like they, they do so often. And it's interesting that it's never, there are never ballots found on behalf of a Republican candidate. Every one of these late counts, and it's not just California, but nationally, there is not one exception to the rule that I know of. Every late count favors Democrats, and that's that's got to be indicative of something. It's it's strangely reminiscent of the 2016 election, where there was one county left to count in Florida, and they were holding off on calling in for President Trump. And in my opinion, because they were scrambling, looking for votes for Hillary, Oh, time to try to turn the state. Absolutely, and and they tried to do it with the governor's race in Florida, or I mean in, exactly. uh, in Georgia. Exactly. Stacey Abrams still doesn't, you know, admit that she lost. She's still out there calling herself yep. the, the real winner of the election. You have it all well, in Florida, with and you know that uh, Eric Holder, Obama's AG, stated publicly here a few days ago that he. It, if, if he he believes that if we knew the truth, he says he thinks Stacey Abrams actually won that race, that it was stolen from her. And in all this talk, 
around the nation about voter suppression, you'll note they never present anybody, not one human being who says, I tried to vote and I couldn't. Right. Yeah, exactly. Never. Yeah, and it's, uh, it's just, California is in the forefront of this right now, uh, another corrupt issue going on. And we, um, we appreciated what you did for Mark Moiser during the election, uh, 2016, trying to, uh, or 2018, trying to get Mark Moiser elected as Secretary of State. Um, he's done a great job of showing people the corruption in the state. Unfortunately, they were able to, you know, squash him and, uh, and he lost the election, but he still brings to light this point in particular. And we appreciated you having him on well, the show I, and giving him so much airtime. I, I like Mark very much, and I really thought the two key races, even more than the governor's race, were Secretary of State and Attorney General. I, I was really pushing all that, that, that I could for Mark Moiser and for Steve Bailey, because those two offices, uh, those two statewide offices, we simply cannot afford to have them uh, occupied by corrupt politicians, and right now they are. At least Steve Bailey would have been, uh, you know, appropriate for the job. He would be qualified more than Javier Becerra would have been. Uh, yes, he, he is a practicing attorney who has he's your basic been there, done that kind of guy when it comes to practicing law. Becerra's not a guy who practiced law. He's just an activist. Yeah. And then coming up in California, we have the special election for Senate 1 uh, district, and there's down to two Republicans now. We have Kevin Kiley and Brian Daly. What are your thoughts on this election going into it? We know it's to replace the outgoing Ted Gaines. And uh, basically, I guess, what is your thoughts on this election and what are your hopes for what we can get done in Senate District 1? Um, oh, it's funny. I had a young man bang on the door yesterday afternoon and he said, I had, were you aware of the election coming into June? I said, yes, I was. He says, have you heard of this guy? And he started to hand me a, a, a Kevin Kiley flyer and I said, you don't have to worry about me. I said, I'm already voting for Kevin Kiley. I'm going to support <laughs> Kiley in this election. Um, and while certainly Brian Daly, um, has been reliably conservative when it comes to tax issues and on a variety of other things, uh, the, that that campaign that he waged, and I think largely at the behest of his organized labor supporters, left a really bad taste in my mouth. Oh, yeah. We've been seeing that and, a lot. And, 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 and that's what happens when organized labor supports you, is they immediately go low. Hmm. We were just discussing that. I, I, really thought it was, I, I hated to see that kind of a campaign waged in the primary, and uh, he, he was the one who waged it, and it, it really rubbed me wrong. Yes, uh, we, we don't like. We've seen it with a lot of these, um, you know, led by some of the California GOP leaders. That it's just been getting so dirty lately. And I've had discussions with my brother that you know why can't if it's Republicans running? Yeah, we can discuss differences between candidates, but why does it have to get so dirty and slamming each other? It just it just kills us all. And aside from the fact that I think Kevin Kiley's done a fine job in the assembly. Yes, yes. He really has, we, had, we had him on, uh, actually, our podcast last week. He joined us, and we discussed some of the bills that, you know, getting through. And we really, I really like the one, and it's, I guess, not uh, super political, but I like the one. He has a bill. He's 
fighting for to make fishing licenses 12 months instead of, you know, at, uh, expiring at the end of the year. And so he came on and we talked about all his different things that he's got going on. We're huge fans. We really like him and we agree that he is fighting for conservatives in California. We think he is doing a great job in the Assembly and he's going to do a great job uh, when he gets to the Senate. The, uh, the, and the other thing I like about him, not that Brian Daly is particularly old, he's not even as old as I am, but I, I like Kevin's youth. I think the party needs to, wherever possible, get younger. Yes, and he's so smart and so articulate. Uh, you can watch videos of the Senate for any of our listeners, um, and you want to, or uh, I'm sorry, Assembly and the Senate going on in California. If you want to see exactly what's going on, you can find videos on their website, on YouTube. Or on C-SPAN. And whenever he gets up there, so articulate, you know exactly what he thinks. And he, you can tell he researches these issues, he believes in what he's saying, and you can tell he's a real fighter. Yeah, I think he is well, and that largely is the, you know, the advantage of having been a, a practicing prosecuting attorney. Yeah. And then on a slightly related topic, I'm going to give you a little bit on, uh, you know, the dirty fighting in politics and Somehow, uh, it seems more like Republicans are fighting other Republicans in this state. And, uh, there was a hotly contested battle for GOP chairperson, uh, this last round. What are your thoughts on the new California GOP board, the new chairwoman, uh, the new officials, and the direction that the party is headed in this state? Well, that is yet another example, I think, of a, a kind of a corrupt process, frankly. I, I, Listen, I don't know the woman. Um, I think uh, I will wait and see what happens. I One of the things I really liked about Travis Allen, again, is his youth and his enthusiasm. I, I know a lot of people uh, within the party think that Travis Allen is a, uh, he's, he's, he's a grandstander and that he's out there to make a name for himself, and I frankly don't care. I think the party needs a, a shot in the arm, and I think he could have provided it. I think he was ready to go all out with a, a serious and uh, widespread ground game, which is something the state also needs. Now, the, the new chair says she'll do the same. It remains to be seen. The problem that I had with the way that went down was it is, well, it's essentially ballot harvesting is what they do with their proxy votes. You get... Yeah elected as a delegate to the convention, you don't have to go. You can hand your proxy vote off to somebody else. And, you know, uh, uh, a friend of mine who was a staffer, and he's actually filled in and, and been a guest many times on the show as well, Doug Holland. Holland said he had heard that one person showed up there with, I believe it was 600 proxy votes. Oh, wow. Which was essentially the margin of victory. And, you know, my attitude is if you want to be elected as a delegate from your central committee and you want to go to the state convention, then by God, go to the state convention. Yes. That, I mean, it just makes sense. I, me and my wife were actually on one of the uh, calls for delegates the morning of the convention for Travis Allen. And call, not saying that specifically was against him, but call after call after call was, I'm not coming in, I sent a proxy. I'm not coming in, I sent a proxy. And that was the biggest worry is, well, with a secret ballot, who knows who these are, you know, voting for. Now, you're supposed yeah. to vote for who uh, you got the vote from, 
want you to vote. You're supposed to vote how they want, but you're not held accountable. So they could have, at the last minute, just changed. And uh, I'm not saying that that's exactly what went on, but, I mean, it certainly looks like we just don't know. And this whole proxy system is not as reliable, I think, as people want it to be. No, I'm, I'm not a fan. It, it is, in fact, the, the, the same dynamic as ballot harvesting. You, you need to go and submit your own vote. Yeah, what is it with the GOP in California? Just listening to you guys, you know more about what happened there. Tyler was involved in the delegate process, and um, you know you have the insight of talking to the people you talk to. But I'm listening to you right now, and my question is: What is it with the California GOP? What are we, Democrats? This, this feels like um, a, a well. Like I think they've made the mistake. Two things are in play here. One, they have become enslaved by Charles Munger's money. He has largely funded the party in the state, and Munger's not a, a genuine conservative. He sort of co-opted the party. And the other, I think, philosophical mistake they have made is there are too many people in the party who think that to make the party more marketable, we need to be less conservative. That That's what worries me the most about just, um, you know, Chairman uh, Patterson. Is, you know, I don't know her personally, as you've stated, neither do I. But with all the people that are around and the, the rumors firming that she is pulling away from the president, pulling towards the illegal Hispanic vote, trying to reach out to, you know, what is seen as the uh, disenfranchised of the state, and pulling away from conservative values incredibly worries me about yes. the direction of the party in the state. Well, and the Which, other thing that concerns no, me, I had a conversation uh, right after the election with uh, John Morlock, uh, California senator out of uh, Costa Mesa down in Orange County, and I, I think he's one of the good ones. Um, and, and aside from the fact that I just happen to personally like Joan very much, but I said, so, okay, what's what's the plan going forward from here? And he said, plan? <laughs> and I said, hmm. no, we really don't have a plan going forward. And it was kind of an uncomfortable conversation. I kind of felt like he really didn't want to divulge all that he did, but he kind of made it clear that there is a serious lack of organization, not only within the party here in the state, there, there's no coordination between the party and the sitting legislators. There's no coordination between the national party and the state party. And, and I yeah. think if, if you want to make the Republican Party relevant again, you've got to get everybody pulling the oars in the same direction here. And we don't have that. Yeah, with the, with the new chair uh, and the new board of the party, you know, I haven't seen them. I haven't seen them around. I haven't seen them do much. Um, you mentioned they don't really have a plan. It, it seems a lot like um, our last nominee for governor of the state. I tried telling people, and everybody supported that and the nominee because of uh, the presidential endorsements and all of that. I tried telling people, you watch and see, when if you don't vote for Travis Allen, you're never going to hear of John Cox again. He's going to disappear. The campaign's going to go, you know, belly up. And it's the same thing happening with Jessica Patterson right now. I haven't heard from her. You know, she's supposed to be new and vivacious. You think she would be out there in the forefront, chain-making waves. Where is she? Yeah. And, you know, the last one we had who really was kind of an activist and, and wanted to get legislators on board with messaging and a host of other things was Tom Del Picaro. And... Boy, he, he ran afoul of, of the party honchos in short order. And again, a lot of them are 
beholden to Charlie Munger and the Munger money. That's a real shame. It's like a bunch of Democrats in this state. Yeah, it is. And, and the other thing nationally, when we talk about that, that 2016 cycle for all these House seats, the, the party has all but given up on California, I think, when it comes to any national money coming out here for these races. They really just kind of focused on seats they wanted to defend rather than looking at seats that they might potentially be able to pick off. Mm-hmm. I'm convinced that John Garamendi occupies a seat that ought to be in the hands of a Republican, but they never, ever spend any resources to challenge him. They, they wind up with people in that race who you've never heard their name before, and they're still pulling 42 43%. And I always feel like, gosh, if you just give them a little push, they might actually get over the top, but they never do. Yeah, you got some name recognition out there for them or promoted them at all. No, they, they, they yeah. get no support from the National Party at all if you are running against an incumbent Democrat. They are just convinced those are seats that are lost. And speaking of unknown candidates, let's move out nationally. There are now 20, at my last count, 20 um, people running for the Democrat Party nomination, and most of these names I've never even heard of. Um, what do you thought <laughs> on some of these candidates that have decided to uh, throw their hats in the ring? Yeah, it is interesting how fractured that party is right now. And, you know, of course, the biggest name and the one who who is polling the best um, in a national poll is going to be Joe Biden. But I'm not sure Biden can even get the party's nomination. Yeah, I think he's so represents so many people in the party. And somebody pointed out, I think it was when I was talking to Tom Del Beccaro, uh last Friday, he said, he thinks it's going to be Bernie Sanders because about 23% in the latest polling of, of the Democrats are rock-solid Bernie Sanders supporters. And with the primary field being this fractured, 23% is going to be enough to win some of these early primaries. Yes, yes. And he's going to build momentum and people are going to start dropping out. I heard a rumor the other day. Uh, from a Republican friend of mine who said uh, one of his buddies back in Washington told him that uh, sources at the DNC intimated that um, the fix is already in for a Biden-Kamala-Harris ticket. Really? That'd be an interesting thing. I just read an article uh, on Kamala Harris uh, last night on Twitter. I don't know why I go on there, but I do sometimes. And somebody... Uh, from CNN was writing, I believe it was CNN, was writing that Kamala Harris should be disqualified as a progressive because she owns a handgun. Which is <laughs> nice for me to see they're turning on each other. See, they, this Turns is, out, they've got more litmus tests than they can keep track of. <laughs> yeah, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter how progressive or liberal or crazy this absolutely asinine this woman is. They are ready to write her off because being afraid of all the murderers that she's put away over the years, in her words, she owns a pistol for personal protection. She doesn't carry it. She said she's a gun owner, but then her campaign staff explained that once she uh, was far enough removed away from the prosecutor's office, she was able to, quote-unquote, dispose of the weapon. Uh, it's unclear if it's actually disposed of or if it's just under lock and key somewhere away from her. But they're ready to throw her out. On that yeah, one point. I, I believe when she was here, that she not only was a gun owner, I believe she had a, a CCW, she had a, a carry permit. But 
Yeah, my understanding. Come on, she's in the Senate now. She's got a security detail. She doesn't need to carry. Yep. But but the, but the very fact that because she had a gun and a carry permit, she's immediately disqualified tells you all you need to know about the Democratic Party. And yeah. you want to dredge up about Joe Biden, you know, the best shot, my opinion, against uh, President Trump, but they want to dredge up the Anita Hill hearings again. And it's it's hard to get through the Democrat nomination these days. You know, uh, you got Cory Booker, who is, you know, making a big grandstand about having a female running mate he promises. You know, uh, I, I, yeah, I hate to say it. I think Cory Booker's a bit of a clown, frankly. Um, <laughs> and, and he doesn't give you the Spartacus vibe? Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think it, it, when we get into this campaign, especially if he was to get the nomination, I think the details of Joe Biden's meddling in Ukraine over his son's business dealings there are going to reflect very badly on Joe. Yes, if we can get the if we can get the story out, you know, that it's not swept away, that's going to not do him any favors. No. So, in this topic of the the large Democrat seal challenging the president, there are some Republican challengers that are mentioning wanting to, you know, launch. Some campaigns uh, as a primary challenge against the president. Uh, the least of, not the least of which would be Bill Wells, former uh, governor of Massachusetts. What's your thoughts on, uh, you know, the conservative movement has long been divided on their feelings about the president, both politically and personally. So what's going through your mind when you see all these Republican challengers coming out against the president? I think anybody in the Republican Party who wants to challenge Donald Trump is out of touch with the rank and file in their party. And they better wake up and smell the bacon. They're going to get trounced. Nobody has a shot at wresting the nomination from him unless something really horrible happens with this president. They don't have a chance. Where I think most conservatives are today, and the reason why Trump has resonated with them, is we are sick of politics as usual. I'm sure you fellows probably followed the story about the uh, the Awan brothers, Imran Awan, the the Pakistani IT guy who was, you know... Yeah, forget the Washington soul. And like 40 other Democratic House members. Luke Rosiak, who's the only, from Daily Caller, the only journalist out there who really stayed on this story. Uh, when was it? Last November, maybe? I finally started reading it last week. Wrote a book about it. Really? And it is, I'll have to read it. Oh, it, it is difficult to read. Not because okay. it isn't well written and it isn't a compelling story, but it is just infuriating to know oh, that I this went it. on. And not only did the Democrats cover their own, Paul Ryan and the Republican House leadership also covered for them. This is wow. potentially yeah. the biggest scandal, certainly in my lifetime, that has ever happened in the House, and nobody wants it brought to light because that's the way they want to do business, and I think people are tired of it, and that's why. At the risk of sounding crass, politics in the United States of America needs a major enema, and that enema is Donald J. Trump. I'm having a difficult time, and I didn't support him in the primaries. I was a Ted Cruz guy. 
Um, I, I am oh, hard pressed to find anything he is doing from a policy perspective as our chief executive that I object to. Yeah, I also just was... This, this system needs a disruptor. He's the one. So, in uh, wrapping up here in a second, um, let's cap this off with the, the big national uh, topic of what do you think's going to happen with you've got the splintered Dem candidate, you've got long shots for the Republican nomination. What do you think is Trump's chances of re-election? And if you think he's going to be re-elected, what, what do you attribute that to? Um, I think unless some huge mistake is made or the economy really tanks, and you know, listen, a lot can happen between now and next November. Um, but I, I think unless it's Trump's to lose, unless something really unfortunate happens to the nation or he makes a major mistake, Trump is going to be reelected. And I think it's largely because of the economic success and the fact that he is trying to streamline the the process of governing this country in spite of the fact that no nobody within the bureaucracy seems to want him to do that i, I think even and it's a funny thing i when when they poll I'm still convinced, I think it happened in 2016, and it still happens today, I think there are people who are reticent to admit they support Trump because it's not the cool thing to do, but when they walk into the ballot booth, they mark his name. That's a great point. We totally agree. Well, Phil, we want to thank you for coming on uh, Behind Enemy Lines with us today, and we want to encourage all of our listeners out there, uh, you know, every week morning, you, you get up and you're not, you know, having your cup of coffee. Tune in to uh, 1380 AM. The answer, listen to Phil Cowan every morning from 6 to 9 AM. He, he's got his finger on the pulse of what's happening in the state, things that you need to know about, things you should know about. And Phil, we want to thank you so much for coming on. I, uh, you know, we're very grateful for uh, what you do for the state and uh, for the conservative cause here. Even so much that we're, I'm going to forgive you for being a Dodgers fan. Hey, 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 hey. Hey, listen, I appreciate that, fellas. Thank you so much. And, and listen, I, I, I try not to ever uh, overblow what I do and, and call it important. I'm there just trying to uh, talk about interesting and entertaining stuff every morning and, um, you know, I, uh, try and share my opinion and let people know what's going on in this state. And if it makes a difference, great. But I, 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 I don't ever want to start thinking that I'm important. Well, sir, it's been a great honor to speak to you, and we will be sure to be listening to you tomorrow morning. Well, very kind of you guys. It was an honor to be on the program, and keep up the good work. Thanks. Thank you.